say good evening. Welcome back. Good to see everybody here again this evening. I also want to say thank you for your good support throughout the meetings, your attentiveness. And young people, I want to thank you for showing up every night. And um, so tomorrow evening I'd like to speak to the young people. Is that okay? Speak to young people? And so uh, I really want you to show up because if you don't, then I have to preach this message to the parents and could get awkward, right? <laughs> so bring your friends. Do you have friends? Couple? Bring them. Bring them along. Parents can come. Parents are allowed to come. Sunday morning, Lord willing, young families, parents, I'd like to speak to you. So pray for that. It's a challenge. But um, we'll see what the word of the Lord is for, for Sunday morning then with family, with parents. So this evening... This evening for, the, uh, for a message, I think I'm going to give you the title and uh, the subject. Then we're going to turn to 1 Samuel and look at that verse we keep coming back to all the time. So this evening, you know, it's kind of interesting how this, how this, is all, how this all worked out because uh, somebody came to me again one time and they said something like this. I'd like to hear a sermon sometime on the purpose for my pain. Isn't this kind of interesting, how that, how that works? So now I have an individual who wants answers. He wants to hear a sermon on the purpose for my pain. I guess I felt obligated and oblige, to oblige that. And so tonight we're looking at Wounded Warrior, The Purpose for My Pain. And I appreciated that song, Joy to the World, because as we think about our theme tonight, or this week, has been the heart. And our hearts were created to be filled with joy. Do you believe that? And there, there just seems sometimes there's an absence of joy because of the pain of our experiences in life. And remember, what we're concerned about this week is that God is looking at the heart. And so tonight, I'd like to try and encourage us through the purpose for my pain. Because I believe I'm speaking about wounds that have been touched by Jesus, and they're, they're healing. Maybe they're scars. As I think of the, the individual, anyhow that he is now moving forward and he is wondering what the purpose is of his pain and what, what ministry is going to come out of that. I really think that was, that was what he was wanting to hear. But wounds in our lives cause dysfunctional 
dysfunction to our normal body activities. So we looked at wounded emotions. We looked at healing the wound. We looked at the call to forgive. Now tonight, we want to talk about the purpose for our pain. So here in, the, here, here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we've been looking at this verse, a couple of verses each evening. And what we're looking at is, is when Samuel is sent to anoint another king, but there's a, a whole family of sons to choose from. You knew that? A lot of boys. And so what we have here is Samuel coming, verse 6, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now I've been stopping there each evening because what we're concerned about is that the Lord is looking on the heart. Now I don't know what he saw when he looked at Eliab, but we are certain that he looked at his heart and said no. All right? So Eliab's probably the tallest and the oldest. And um, so there might have been pride there. And the next son comes by and God says no. And I don't know what his heart looked like. We'll never know. But there's something about this row of boys that God said no. Well, then who, then who are we going to choose, Lord? So he did something and he says, Jesse, is this all the boys? No. One more. Samuel says, go get him. Now, now let's look at this a little bit. So... In verse 12, and he sent and brought him, and now he was rooting with all a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And look at this. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. We finally got him anointed. It took us till the Friday night. But now what did he find in the heart of David? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He saw something in that heart. Now what I'm getting at is, now we have David anointed. Was it all roses from that day forward? He had the Lord's anointing. He was good looking. He had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And so from there forth, the journey was just roses to the throne. No. There was a preparing for a purpose. And he chose David, and he anointed David, and you know what that purpose was? That was for the Lord Jesus Christ to come to the earth. That was for the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was anointed, and his journey was not a journey of roses. There was a purpose and David had, had hard things to work through. And we can say that his purpose was to sit on the throne. And through his lineage, Jesus Christ could come. Now, we're not going to take the sermon out of that. But what I wanted us to understand, that he was anointed. He was chosen. God looked at his heart. 
the Spirit of God came upon him, and he had pain, and he had turmoil, and he kept pressing on, and he kept pressing on, and he, he wrote psalms, and he sang psalms, and he played instruments, and he was joyful, and he kept moving on, he kept pressing forward. There was purpose in spite of pain. So tonight, we're going to look at purpose for our pain, so turn to Jeremiah chapter 10 again. Jeremiah chapter 10. This is a verse we've been looking at quite often. As we think of our circumstances and our experiences in life, they're not all roses. Times are, are hard for those in the scripture and times are hard for us today sometimes. But what took place here is that Jeremiah was hurt and offended and wounded and he came to realize and he recognizes that he needs to embrace this as his burden to bear. Woe is me for my grief. Verse 19. My wound is grievous, but I said truly this is a grief and I must bear it. There was purpose for him to be experiencing pain. The Lord was teaching. The Lord was preparing him for a ministry. Tonight your pain, your experiences, I'm going to try and use that a bit more, your experiences in life are unique to you. We understand that. There's no two people here alike with the same experiences, the same feelings inside, the same uh, hurts. It's unique. It's very personal and it's very real. That's because God is designing it for you with a purpose. And you know, it is just almost exciting to find out and discover what that purpose is going to be for me. I almost think that's what that brother was saying when he came to me and said, I want to hear what the purpose is. You know, he just about couldn't, he wanted to know. Did God take his pain away? I might refer to that a few times tonight. So Jeremiah came to this realization where we need to come to, did God take his pain away? Because he recognized that he needed to bear it. No. It was, it was, a, hard, it was a hard ministry that he had. So tonight, my question to us here tonight is, am I really sure... Am I really sure that I want God to take the pain away? Am I really sure that I want God to change my experiences to make it easy? I think what we need to be focused on rather than easy is purpose. You know, I think sometimes what hinders us from finding purpose is we... So we, we come to Jesus, we we're talking about that, we come to Jesus and he heals us and he touches our wounds because we give them to him and we're starting to move forward, we're healing and the reason we don't find purpose in our wounds is because we want it to be just like it used to be. We want to go back and have it how it was and we're trying to decide how we can go back and, how we ha and have it how it was. 
That's, that's not purpose. We're probably not going to go back and have it how it was. I want to take you to the scripture for that. I want to take you to the scripture for that. We're going to walk a mile with Joseph. All right? So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. We can't just go back and have it how it was. That isn't necessarily healing. Genesis 37. Let's get an introduction here of who this is. This is Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 1, 1 through 11. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Jacob, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Billa and and with the sons of Zilpha his wife, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peacefully unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep rose, arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves to earth? To thee, to the earth, and his brothers, brethren envied him, but his father observed the sayings. Now we're going to fast forward. Some disagreements and things were taking place here, and then uh, let's go to verse 19. Now he's sent to go and find these brethren that we just read about, and they said to one another, "Behold, the dreamer cometh." Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him of his, out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was come to his brethren, that they stirred stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him in a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat. They lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery, balm, and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let us not... Let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And the brethren were content. Then there passed 
by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought him to Egypt. Verse 36, And the Midianites sold him in Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guard. A short, short journey there with Joseph. Wounded relationships, strained relationships, severed relationships. Maybe we could say non-existent relationships. So we have a young man here. He's Joseph. That was probably familiar to most of us. Do we have some 17-year-olds here? I think we do. Very young, 17 years old. As we look at this account, and we think about Joseph being 17, do you think, do we think that he could see that the pain he was feeling and the rejection he was feeling had purpose? Probably not. His faith was, in God was greater than his pain. His faith in God was greater than his pain. So at 17 years old, and in verse 2, sometimes our testimony convicts those around us, and then we receive the pain, we receive the injury. Joseph, we would say, was just being flat honest, giving an honest report. And then they turned and mistreated him. In verse 4, we have... His brothers hating him. It says there they hated him, all right? And they could no longer speak with him. They could no longer hold a conversation with him. They were hating him. This is increased pain. Then in verse 5, it says they hated him yet the more. I'm not sure how that works. If you hate somebody, now you hate them yet the more. And then again, in verse 8, and they hated him yet the more. This is building up to something. Hatred is building up to something here. And this is Joseph, a young man, a young boy, hated by his family. Now I found it interesting. He finally tells his father his dream. And his father rebuked him. Now, this 17-year-old boy has absolutely nowhere to go, nowhere to turn with his hurts and with his bleeding heart and with his rejection. Dad just rebuked him. And what he thought he was really, really explaining how he feels, he was really explaining something exciting to his dad, his dad rebuked him. A 17-year-old. Now the relationship has reached its climax. And the brethren desire to murder. You see where that's going? Joseph's experience. We would, we would find it hard to believe that Joseph would be saying, yeah, there's, there's something good going to come out of this right now. I don't think Joseph could see that. 
And I think that's where we find ourselves sometimes. Verse 24. I believe this is God working and sparing him, obviously. And they chose to just throw him in a pit. Now he's in a pit. And it's dark, and it's deep, and there's no way out. This is like the, the epitome of rejection right here. We're in the pit. He's in the pit. He can't get out. There's no way to help himself and nobody to care. So this is Joseph's journey. We would say at this point the relationship is severed. And then the brothers sell him, and they're just relieved to have him out of sight and out of mind. Now let's think about that. How well did that work for the brothers? Out of sight, out of mind. It haunted them for their whole life. Out of sight and out of mind don't work. We're talking about a severed relationship. Let's imagine Joseph's pain at this point as he comes bouncing into Egypt. He's going into a different culture. He doesn't understand the language. Now he can't even communicate with anybody. Do you think, as he bounced to a stop, that he understood the purpose for his pain? Probably not, but his faith in God was greater than his pain, so he kept trusting. At 17, a trust in his God that was greater than his pain. His faith carried him to Egypt. And guess what? It says in the scripture that Joseph's God was in Egypt too. He was. Joseph found his God in Egypt too. Joseph found God in Potiphar's house. Because his faith in God was greater than his pain, he didn't give up on trusting in his God. Expecting it to be okay. Expecting it to turn out okay. So our pain, is our pain causing our faith to waver or is, it, is our God greater than our pain? We can also see that Joseph would have been taken out of his comfort zone. We don't like to be out of our comfort zones. In chapter 39, verse 2, says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph right there in Potiphar's house. I don't know how Joseph managed to build relationships to start with, but it was because God was with him, and it says that the master saw that the Lord was with him. So his testimony at 17 was already revealing that he had a faith in God and that God was with him and God was blessing him. Now just what is the purpose for this painful journey that I tried to paint for us this, or picture for us this evening? What, what is the purpose in all this? That is what we want to look at. The purpose for my pain is to prepare us is to prevent casualties, and is to praise God. That's the three points we're going to look at. It's to prepare, 
to prevent and to praise. We find here in Joseph's encounter, Joseph's experience. So Genesis, Genesis 39, I'm going to read verses 1 to 7 here. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hand of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over the house, and all that he had put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer of his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake." And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Lie with me. Stop reading there. So it evidently, according to this portion of Scripture that his purpose was coming to, to be a blessing for Potiphar's house, right? Do you think Joseph could find fulfillment in serving God in Potiphar's house? And then the Lord blessed Potiphar's house. But, but Joseph believed his God had a purpose for him. He did not know the end like we know the end today. It's obvious that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, did his pain go away? Because his faith was so great, and he was serving Potiphar's house, do you think the pain of rejection from his father and his brothers, do you think that was just taken away? I don't believe so. That was still there. God never leaves, God never forsakes his hurting children. But alas, rejection once again. So we think Joseph is on top of things, and he probably had a good countenance, and a joyful countenance, and joy in his heart as he served there in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's house, and then rejection again with the account of his wife, and now he's thrown into prison. Rejection again. How much can a young man take? What is the purpose? How can God pre be preparing Joseph for something great when he's now in the dungeon and he's now in the prison? And even while he's in the prison, they forgot him. And they left him there. God is preparing each of us for an important task. The exciting part is, what is it? What is it going to be? So as we move on, the next few chapters is a time when God is preparing Joseph in, sp in spite of his pain. But he's doing this to put Joseph in a position to be a vessel and a tool to preserve people. We're watching, we're, we're looking at this take place. And God is preparing you and I to be more effective in his kingdom work through the pain that we're experiencing. It's through our pain, it's through our wound that comes our ministry. And we must ex uh, acknowledge that God is using it 
to prepare us. So now Genesis 43. We have the brothers arrive. And so what we have here is an opportunity for Joseph to get even. And we have the opportunity for Joseph to forgive. And he chose to forgive. And in Genesis 43, as we think about his painful relationship with his family and then his brothers come into his presence. In verse 30 it says, Joseph made haste. For his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his bedchamber, and he wept there. Chapter 45, verse 2. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Here we have one of the highest ranking officials in Egypt weeping because his brothers came into his presence, and they were those who had beat him and had hurt him. It's okay to shed tears. It's okay to shed tears for our wounds. It's okay to shed tears for our hurts. God understands tears. And He prepares you and I through these experiences. God understands. Now let's look at this reconciliation take place in chapter 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now listen carefully. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives with a great deliverance. Joseph right here acknowledges that God sent him forth to preserve life, to preserve people. So he worked through this and the pain was still there. But he acknowledges to his brothers that you did it to harm me, but God did it to save people. Your pain tonight is the purpose of your pain is to preserve life. There is reason, there is purpose for our pain. It is for ministry. So Joseph here is reconciled with his brothers. And by all appearances, by all appearances, he forgives them. And I found that in verse 15. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. So at this point, it appears as though reconciliation has been made. You know, and all that pain for all the years for him and all that baggage and burden that the brothers carried along all that time, it can be released right here through the power of forgiveness. 
But what I want us to understand is that the pain had not went away from, from Joseph, and he acknowledged that God had sent him forth to save lives. He said, God sent me. He didn't even hold that against his brothers. He never faulted his brothers at one time. God had a plan. God had a purpose. So through our pain, God gives us purpose to preserve life. I'd like to notice here that Joseph can see it now. That's, that's what I like to see about this account, is that Joseph can see it now, and he sees his brothers. But it is not, it's, his, his journey isn't quite over yet. The purpose for my pain is to prevent casualties. I'd like to look at that. Genesis chapter 50. So we have the Jacob dying, and the boys all getting together, and they go to Egypt, and they bury Joseph, uh, Jacob. And this, this um, abuse that they gave to Joseph comes back to haunt the brothers here. So Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father. And after he had buried his father, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before we, he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. Now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of thy servant, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept again. Joseph wept when they spake unto him. He thought it was all taken care of. He thought this was this was done away with, and the brothers bring it back up. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face and said, unto, and said, Behold, we be thy servants. And this is what Joseph says. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, I am, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So Joseph is sent. The purpose for his pain is to preserve much people alive. So I'd like to look at preventing casualties. So the pain that you're, you may have experienced in your life, the scars are still evident. But I believe that the purpose for... Our pain is to prevent casualties. Casualties to who? To save much people alive, folks. And I had to think about this. Just what does this look like today? Can I see the hand of God using my pain to prepare me to save much people alive? Is it my family? Have I experienced pain in my life so that I can better be aware 
of, of protecting my family and saving my family and drawing my family out of a less than ideal setting, my wife, my children, and maybe even my parents. Maybe it is to save much people alive in the saving of souls in the community or even saving of souls back in Canaan, back where I came out of. Maybe it's our former youth group. Maybe I, the purpose for my pain is that I can better relate to those who are hurting. If we think about our former youth groups, our former acquaintances, our former communities, back in Canaan is what I'm trying to describe. Or maybe the purpose for my pain is to prevent casualties. It's for the saving of souls by identifying with people. Now I understand your pain. I'd like to see here in this portion of Scripture that Joseph recognizes his position under God, and I think that is why he prospered. He recognized in his high state or high position of authority in Egypt that he was still under God. And that his purpose was to save much people alive, to prevent casualties. And he could look back over his life, and I doubt if he forgot his pain, but he can identify the purpose of his pain was for a ministry, and that was for the saving of souls. Now, we might not be able to relate our circumstances and our situations and our experiences as a Joseph. But I believe that there's purpose in our pain, and we can identify what our purpose is. It is to preserve people. It is to help others. And I, I agree we can't see the big picture. I don't believe Joseph could see the big picture. But at the end of this chapter, as he's looking back over his life, he's explaining how God worked that out to save much people alive. I'm going to read a couple of verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that would help explain this kind of ministry. So if we've been wounded and we've been hurt, we can now identify how to, how to help others because we've experienced healing. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now this becomes our responsibility right here, every one of us here this evening, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble. How? He tells us how we do that. By comforting wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Just exactly like we've been helped through our journey. Just exactly like we've experienced healing from God. In our hurts and our wounds and our experiences. That is how we now comfort and help others. That's what it says here in the scriptures. And therein lies our purpose for our pain. That we now know how to comfort others. That's what Paul's writing. I believe we need to be 
looking, searching, proactive, and finding purpose. We're going to have to be intentional about finding purpose. And this is something I thought of, preserving people alive for the saving of souls. It may be to help one person, just one, that the purpose of our pain would be to in some way help one individual and save them alive because of our experiences, because of our pain. And I said it was, our purpose for our pain is also to praise. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul for that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The purpose for our pain is to praise. To praise his name. Purpose for my pain is to praise his name, 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. When I am weak, then I am strong. Is the Lord receiving praise through my pain, through my journey? Is our heart filled with joy? My pain is to humble me, and in so doing, I recognize my complete dependence on God. That's what Paul is saying and demonstrating here. Would you consider your pain, your your experiences, a thorn in the flesh? Could be. A messenger of Satan? We could be blaming that. But Paul recognizes here that his pain is to bring honor and glory to God. Now, I want to look at something here. It says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Am I more concerned about the thorn being removed? Am I more concerned about God taking the pain away from me than what I am finding purpose in it? And so Paul, as human as we are, asked the Lord three times. And he got the same response. He said, God says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that is your and my experience today. God's grace is still sufficient as it was back in Paul's day. It is sufficient. If we're going to trust it, we're going to rely on it. So have I been asking God to take my pain away? Are we sure we would want God to remove our pain? 
Is that really what we want? Let's think about that. So God has provided a way for us to endure our pain, and that is through His grace, His enabling grace. We need to recognize that when I am weak, that's when I am strong. It's because I'm trusting in God. I'm relying on His grace. When I have decided to endure the pain and allow God to have His way, it's a channel by which God's power is then witnessed. Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm not going to ask us to say that we take pleasure in our infirmities. But Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, because he knows that God's grace is sufficient. Is God glorified by my life in spite of my pain? So tonight... The purpose for our pain is to prepare us for a ministry, to prepare us to prevent casualties, to prevent others from experiencing some of the same things we experience, to help them along, and to praise that through our pain, God would be honored and glorified, and we would praise Him, and we would be filled with that joy. So in closing, I want to look at actually one verse in Jeremiah 29. And we'll bring this to a close. And you probably might know it by heart before I even turn to it. Jeremiah 29. Verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. In closing, as we think of the purpose for my pain, it says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, said the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. God has a purpose and a plan for us. He does not think evil for you and I. He does not plan for, you, for, for evil towards us. But He's using it to shape us and to mold us and to prepare us. God just loves to give us that expected end. He just loves to see us blossom in spite of our journey. He just loves to pour out His grace and mercy and enable His children to rise up again. That's our God. So can I see God preparing me to prevent casualties and to praise and to glorify His name? So tonight, I don't know if there's anybody here who's on our journey to find purpose. But I just trust that that can help us to somehow consider that there's purpose in my pain and God desires us to rise above and to use it for His honor and for His glory. So thank you for being here tonight. I think we're going to close the service. We invite you to come back tomorrow night and bring your friends. So I think we'll ask you to stand for a closing prayer.